For the first time in five years as a priest, I finished my weekend homily by 8 a.m. on Friday. You should be impressed. That's not easy. This is also the first time in the past four years that I've written out my homily word for word. In a few moments, you'll understand why. This past week, young people throughout the city of Bismarck returned to school. In our own grade school here, classes officially began on Tuesday. We have over 270 students, grades pre-K through five in our school, the most we've had in many years. With our students back in the building, as you can imagine, the halls have been filled with noise, excitement, and joy. All signs of a happy, healthy, and holy school. All signs of happy, healthy, and holy students. But for anyone who's watched the evening news, or picked up a newspaper, or scrolled through social media in these weeks, have come to be painfully reminded again that this experience that so many young people have of, ex of happiness and holiness and health in our schools and parishes has not been the case for many young people in these United States and throughout the world. I'm referring most specifically to the grand jury report released by the state of Pennsylvania a few weeks ago, which after two years of very fair and thorough investigation has discovered that literally hundreds of predatory priests had been sexually abusing children for many decades in parishes and schools throughout Pennsylvania. On top of this, many church leaders have ignored the signs that such abuse was happening. And the sinful and criminal activity of priests was often left unaddressed. I'm also referring to the revelations of the sinful sexual behavior of the disgraced former Archbishop Cardinal McCarrick of Washington, D.C. How evil, how vile, how sickening. I could come up with a lot of other words. As some of you may have read, Bishop Kagan has released a letter to the people of the Diocese of Bismarck that he's asked to be read at all parishes throughout the diocese this weekend after Holy Communion. And so at the bishop's request, I'm happy to read that letter after communion this morning. On a personal level, however, I had made up my mind early this week that I would read the letter and say no more. What else could be said? This report was about Pennsylvania, not North Dakota, Washington, D.C., not Bismarck. But as I visited with priests and friends and parishioners throughout the week, I came to discover and to realize that this is something that deserves more than a letter being read. I suppose I have two options. Option number one, 
to stay silent, ignore the issue, and pretend that everything's okay. But I might suggest that silence and ignoring and pretending that everything is okay is the very attitude and approach that has harbored these sinful and criminal priests for decades. And so as challenging and uncomfortable as it is to talk about this, I trust you would be deeply disappointed at some point if your pastor didn't say something to you. And so the second option, to in fact address it. My hesitancy, however, is in the fact that I've only been your pastor for seven weeks. And I've not yet garnered your respect nor your trust. But then again, in today's day and age, given the crisis we are in, is there any priest worthy of respect? Is there any priest worthy of trust? But as your new pastor, deep in my heart, I knew that something must be said. And so where to begin? How fitting is our gospel for today? As we come to the very end of Jesus' Bread of Life discourse, we just heard that many of his disciples said, this saying is hard. The saying that they found hard was, of course, last week's gospel. When Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And the response of the early disciples was, this saying is hard, who can accept it? And then today, we're also told that as a result of this, as a result of this hard saying, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Many disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. For the first time recorded in scripture, active followers of Jesus left him and returned to their former way of life. But this would not be the last time that active followers of Jesus would leave him. The next time would be at Calvary, at the cross, as the apostles feared for their own life. And believe it or not, in all the Gospels, we only have two accounts where active followers of Jesus left him. Regarding the Eucharist, and at the cross. In these days, we are most certainly at a cross. In these years, these innocent victims of abuse, through no fault of their own, now live at the cross. In these days, I think many of us, many Catholics, are faced with a similar decision point a similar decision point that those first apostles may have faced. I think many of us are embarrassed or ashamed to be a part of a church that has continued to err and to sin and to fail so consistently 
and so grievously. We often don't know what to say. And so what I want to say this morning is what your thoughts are or what my thoughts are. The questions you have are the questions I also have. The answers you're looking for are the answers I'm looking for. And so I want to say that I am with you. And it's okay to ask those questions. We should. And I can't speak for you once again. But the thoughts and feelings across my own heart have ranged from anger to unbelief to confusion to embarrassment to uncertainty. But at the end of the Bread of Life discourse, Jesus asks the apostles, do you also want to leave? A suitable question for us too. And how did Peter respond, the chief apostle, on behalf of the twelve? Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. A suitable response for us too. To whom shall we go? We believe and are convinced that Jesus and he alone has the words of eternal life. I am not Catholic because of priests. I am not Catholic because of bishops. I am not Catholic because of popes, good or ill. I am Catholic because of Jesus and the words of eternal life that he gives to us through his word and through the Eucharist. But I am growing weary. I have grown weary of unkept promises. I have grown weary of meaningless apologies. I have grown weary of sinful inaction. I have grown weary of empty words and wordy statements. And I am ready for action. But even in these days of discouragement, even in these days of confusion, I am still hopeful. I am hopeful that both bishops and priests and whoever that are responsible for this crisis, that they are held accountable and punished quickly and accordingly. I am hopeful that justice will be served. I am hopeful that the victims of abuse may experience the healing power of God. I am hopeful and confident in the strong policies our own diocese, our own parishes, our own schools have to help protect our young people. I am hopeful that all of our young people may encounter Christ and the church as a place that is life-giving and not life-destroying. I am hopeful that the church may finally learn and be thoroughly purified, whatever the cost. 
But most of all, I am hopeful in Christ. I am hopeful in Christ who makes all things new. Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you and you alone are the Holy One of God.